Hello and welcome to another episode of The Programming Professional. My name is Chris Franklin and I am your host. So I wanted to spend today talking specifically about career growth and how it applies to you. So a lot of what has happened through my career has been a complete lack of understanding on how career growth actually happens. It wasn't until the last five or so years that I really started to grasp what it means to grow in your career as a programmer. Before that point, I had kind of expected my employer to do all the work for me, which is what I see a lot of other engineers and programmers doing as well. They expect that their programmer has their, or that their employer has their best interest in mind. And that's not true. It's just not true, unfortunately. Uh, your employer has themselves in mind. They want to do what is best for the bottom line, what is going to make them the most money, and that does not include giving you more money or giving you more responsibility unless you can prove it does. So to start this conversation off, let's talk about your relationship with your employer. The hard truth is you do not want to trust your employer when it comes to your career because what they're looking for is to squeeze as much work out of you for as little money as possible. Now, you might get lucky and you might end up at one of those employers that isn't like that, but the vast majority of them are. They are all about optimizing their profits, and the best way to do that for them is to reduce costs. So I mentioned in a previous episode, there's a huge difference between being a cost to the company and being an asset. If you're working on career growth and making yourself more valuable, you become a true asset. But if you are just coming into work, collecting your paycheck, doing the bare minimum to get by, you are a cost. And so your employer will see that and will say, well, I don't want to invest any time or money in them. And when that happens, you're stuck. There's nothing you can do about it because they aren't beholden to you and you aren't beholden to them. It's a mutual relationship. And because of that mutuality, you need to do your part for your career growth. So what kind of things can you do? What can you do to grow your career, to increase your skills, and to make yourself more valuable to your employer? One of the things you can do is you can attend conferences. Now, if you get lucky, your employer will pay for you to go to those conferences. You have to request the money and you have to request the time, but some employers are completely willing to pay for you to go to one conference a year. As long as it doesn't cost them too much money, they're usually okay with it. But here's the kicker. It's not their responsibility to make sure that you are going to those. You need to take that responsibility. You need to step up and say, what conferences are best for me to grow my career? If you leave the choice entirely up to your employer and they decide, oh, you need to go to conference X over here. This thing has technology that we are interested in as a company. And you know that your career is on a different trajectory. Let's say the conference is about printers and printer drivers. And you don't want to be 
working in printers for your whole life. Going to that conference isn't going to help you grow your career. All it's going to help you do is gain skills that are valuable for your employer. What you need to do is you need to find conferences that are both valuable for your employer and valuable for yourself. If you make yourself more valuable to your employer, that's how you get put up for promotion. And that's how you get moved, advanced up in the ranks and given more and more responsibility. So make sure to look around. Know what industry uh, conferences are available for you and know what general programming conferences are available for you as well. If you know what all is there, you can do the research, you can find those, and then you can pick the ones that you want to go to. Now, because you are the one who is responsible for this, make sure you set aside a little bit of money to go to these Take a little bit of every paycheck if you have to. Set it aside into a special savings account that is your conference fund. This will be completely worth it. Trust me. If you're paying for your own way to your conferences and you're paying for your own way to, to go to these things, you can't. your employer can't hold you responsible if you don't come out of that and learn skills that are completely valuable for them. Okay? Also, be willing to take off some personal time from your employer to attend these conferences. They'll usually be super flexible and allow you to do that if you tell them you're going to a conference for a specific subject. Okay, what else can you do besides go to a conference? That's all fine and dandy, but there are things you can do that don't cost quite so much money. Uh, One of the things that I find myself doing most of the time is reading. I like to pick up books on all of the subjects in computer science and programming in general that really interest me. It's the way that I've learned all about cloud computing and I moved my career from a front-end developer into a back-end developer because I just picked up books on the subject and learned as much as I could about it and then started applying for jobs in it. And with the knowledge that I had gained, I was able to step into that kind of position and now I'm a back-end architect because I consume all of these books on the subject. I've learned everything I can about running Kubernetes, AWS, um, any of these topics that have to do with back-end cloud development. I have consumed and you can do the same thing. Pick an area that interests you but don't just pick one. Pick multiple areas. You want to look at artificial intelligence, you want to look at cloud computing, you want to look at front-end development. If you're a back-end developer, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty and learn JavaScript. Don't be afraid of picking up front-end frameworks like React and Vue. Those are fantastic tools to have in your tool belt because programming is all about enabling you to have tools to solve problems. And if you encounter a problem that requires you to build a UI for your backend, you're no longer beholden to the UI developers in your organization to do the work for you. Now you can pick it up and do it yourself. Same thing with if you're a UI developer, you no longer are beholden to the backend developers to do the work that's required to stand up a new microservice to run your pretty front end. Okay, so now if you have all of those skills, that just makes you more valuable to your employer and makes you more valuable to future employers that you should that you could approach. Next, I'm going to talk about practicing your craft. Um, This has to do more with the way that you spend your time outside of work. Um, You don't want to be practicing programming while you're actually programming, it is considered practice to program and to write code that your employer finds useful. But you want to do more beyond that. You want to actually program outside of your job. 
If you're not doing that, you're not growing your skills appropriately. What I like to do uh, is learn new languages. I like to pick up new languages and write some core functionality in a new language. Uh, If it's a language that supports UIs, I like to build to-do applications or notepads or text editors, things like that, that can get me in and working with the language itself. If it's not a UNI enabled language, if it's something like Rust, which is a low level systems level programming language, I like to work on, I have a couple of cheapy little robots that can run uh, off of microcontrollers and I like to write code that compiles down to those and be able to do that. You don't have to spend the money on that, but I, sp- I think I spent like $15 on this little microcontroller powered robot. It's super cheap and it's a good way to practice new system level language if I want to. So when you're on the clock, you want to make sure that you're working a full 40 hours a week. When you're at work, do not get distracted by outside of work events if you can help it. Now, I know it's not always possible. I know sometimes you have a big fight with your with your spouse or you know, you're having some financial problems and you can't stop thinking about that stuff. Uh, In that case, I suggest take a walk, clear your head. When you're sitting at your desk and you're supposed to be working for your employer, you really should be working for your employer. Don't work on personal projects during work time. Don't solve personal problems during work time. Focus exclusively on working when you're at work. Now, as modern day programmers, we actually don't spend a whole ton of time writing code. Uh, We spend a lot of time thinking about the problems that we're trying to solve, and we spend a lot of time talking to others in the organization to make sure we're solving the right problems. Uh, If you find yourself exclusively sitting at your desk and writing code, you're probably doing it wrong. You should get up and walk around and talk to others and basically embed yourself in the rest of the organization. It's really what you do as a professional programmer is also interacting with other people. On top of that, on with your 40 hours of scheduled work a week, you should be putting in at least another 20 hours a week, and that's the time that you spend on your personal growth. That's the time you're spending learning new languages. You're spending mentoring other people or being mentored by other people. That's a great way to learn as well. Uh, you can take classes, online classes. You can take classes on Udemy. Anything that you can do to fill that 20 hours, fill it with productive work that's going to help you move towards, um, you know, building your career, building your, growing your skills. Another thing that's super useful is uh, coding kata. Um, That's K-A-T-A if you're listening. Um, They're a great way to practice skills that might get rusty over time. When you walk into a lot of modern interviews, um, a lot of programmers like to use uh, basic CS 100, 101, 200 level uh, data structures, algorithms, those types of questions to try and stump you, to trick you, to make sure that you know your stuff. The longer you spend programming, the less off the top of your head a lot of those easy solutions become. And so practicing coding kata, you should know the solution already when you sit down to write them. So you should be sitting down and writing them either in a new language or going for speed or accuracy and just basically 
rote memorization, trying to uh, practice the skill over and over and over again. So it becomes second nature. That way, when you appear uh, appear in one of these interviews and they throw one of these questions at you, it's right off the top of your head. It's super easy and you jump straight into it and are able to solve it. That way you can spend less of your time in those types of interview situations actually solving those problems and more of your time talking about what is it like to work at this company and is it a place that you want to be and is it a place that they want you to be. So uh, that's it for Coding Katas. Uh, Passion projects are also a great way to expand your expertise and your skills within, uh, within coding. Um, I consider a passion project anything that uh, you find interesting that might be outside of the general scope of the domain that you work in at work. So you should be an expert in the domain that you're working in, but you can have other domains that you're interested in. Let's say, for instance, that you love marketing for some reason and you want to build tools to help marketers um, find their SEO rankings or, or something like that. Um, that's just off the top of my head. That kind of project can be a passion project. It can be something you work on in the 20 hours a week of free time. You can build out these tools to help others. And it's a great way of expanding your expertise while also helping others um, in their unrelated fields to yours. Um, okay. Now, uh, something that's a little different that I want to talk about is the idea of side hustles. I actually do a lot of side hustles. I do a lot of freelance work on the side uh, in areas that are far outside of my normal realm of work. I like to work on uh, web development, for instance, is one of the areas that I freelance in. I don't do a lot of web development in my day-to-day job. I am a back-end architect, so that's not something that I actually spend a lot of time doing. So freelancing is a way for me to make a little bit of extra money and also work on skills that are outside of my normal skill set. And it's uh, a really great way for you to get into it. Just go to somewhere like Upwork and search for jobs. Uh, start applying. It it might take a while for you to land your first job if you've never done freelancing work before, but once you start landing jobs, it's pretty easy to keep them flowing. Uh, you'll build up that reputation as someone who's worthwhile to work for. As long as you're doing a good job, make sure that you actually do a good job when you do that um, and over-deliver on everything you promise. It's, it's a great way to build more skills. And who knows, you might discover that you want to be a full-time web developer by by doing something like that and go into it full-time as your as your next step in your career. The most important thing I th- I want to cover in this is uh you should really be breaking out of your comfort zone. You shouldn't be staying in the same area all the time. I've known a lot of developers that are Java developers, Java backend developers, and all they do is Java backend development. They don't give a crap about any other language. And you know what? It hurts them. It really does. I mean, they can be the biggest expert on Java in the world, but let's say something happens, like what recently did, where 
part of Java becomes paid, and now your employer doesn't want to use that anymore. They have an option of going to the open source Java, or they can jump to a new language. And if you haven't learned any new languages, you can't be involved in that conversation and help drive them towards a language that you are comfortable with and that you know will work well for those solutions. So expand yourself out of your comfort zone. It will give you far more options in the long run. It'll allow you to grow your career significantly further than you've grown it up to this point. And it's just a great way of being involved in uh, other spaces outside of work. So that's it for today's topic. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, If you have any questions you ever want to talk, if you're looking for a mentor, go ahead, email me. I'm I'm completely open. I talk to anyone who sends me a message. My email is me, M-E, at chris-franklin.com. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks.